When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. All right, we are set to go here. Paul Molitor has been fired as Twins manager. Three o'clock press conference at Target Field is starting right now, so we will throw it out to that press conference and carry it right here on 1500 ESPN. Uh, On so many levels around uh, what he's meant uh, to me over the last two years, but certainly uh, what he's meant in that position as manager with the Twins over the last four. Um, When I got a chance to speak with Paul this morning, I can tell you that uh, one of the most difficult conversations certainly of my career and maybe of my life around talking about what was best for the future of the Minnesota Twins. And not surprisingly, even a bit, uh, Paul Molitor and his uh, graciousness and his um, general understanding and appreciation and respect, uh, Paul is so much more about Uh, what's on the front of the jersey here uh, than the back, and I think that speaks to uh, who he is truly as a person uh, and what he means to this franchise. We talked a bit about uh, a transition, uh, an opportunity to continue here with the Minnesota Twins, something that uh, harkens back a bit to a conversation we had even going back a year ago, knowing that uh, the future uh, of, of of managing here for Paul, I think, uh, as as Paul would have said himself, not managing forever, uh, but certainly understanding how much he wants to be a part of this organization moving forward. Uh, we discussed that, and I will say I, I am hopeful, and uh, had we feel had some good conversations around what that looks like moving forward. Um, but today, uh, certainly difficult decision, a complex decision, but uh, something we feel is in the best long-term interests of of this club right now. Uh, at this moment in time, we felt this was the uh, this was the move for this baseball team, uh, both in the in the shorter term here, and then as we build toward the long term future. So, that will open it up for questions. Charlie in the front. Yeah, Charlie Walter, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, Derek, do you have somebody in mind right now? We're going to work through a process, uh, certainly uh, an exhaustive one, and going through uh, uh, who we will seek to find as the next manager of the Minnesota Twins. I will say this, that uh, we focused really all of our energies and efforts over the last couple of days um, to think through how we wanted to, to work through this with Paul. And at this stage, certainly we'll work through a candidate list and begin our search in earnest now, but there is no one candidate at this point. I would think in terms of time frame, certainly uh, there are a number of other teams that are seeking managers right now. There'll be a, pr- a process that we need to get started immediately to catch up to some of those clubs. Uh, and uh, at the same time, we won't put a specific time frame on it. We want to find the right person for the Twins for the long term. Uh, but uh, I, would, I would imagine it will, it will take multiple weeks. Jim. 
what was complex about the decision and what led you to the, to the decision? Sure. Uh, you know, what's complex about it on a number of levels is certainly Paul and who Paul is and what he means to this franchise and how much he cares every day when he walks through those clubhouse doors and how much he impacts uh, this team. Uh, that's never lost on me, It's and it wasn't in that moment, and I think our conversation this morning reflected that. Uh, what was complex about it was a lot has transpired over the last 12 months with our club and, and where we are, and we are not where we need to be right now, and we know we need to take different steps moving forward, and some of that's going to be with an eye toward the development of the foundation for a long-term future, and I think Paul generally understands that's, that's part of this. We need to continue to evolve and grow. Uh, and develop, but um, at this stage, I feel like uh, this was the right long-term decision, uh, despite some of the short-term difficulty. Uh, Joe. Joe Schmidt, Five Eyewitness News. Um, how do you relate to the fans that Paul's not the scapegoat for mm -hmm. guys who had a bad season, trades and acquisitions mm -hmm. you guys made in the offseason that did not turn out for the team this year? Sure, I, I'll. I would say. A lot of factors go into these decisions every time, and uh, Paul knows that, and Paul knows that we've talked all along about his openness and willingness to engage with us on a number of different topics. When we made this decision, I can tell you this wasn't just about wins and losses. You know, right now at this moment, it was about where our club is for the, for the present and the future. Um, and I, I've said that to Paul this morning. I'll, I'll say it again. This wasn't about our record this year. This is about what we think is best as we continue to grow a young team in the direction toward being uh, a championship contender. Jim. Derek, Jim Rich, Fox 9. Uh, a year ago, you handed Paul a three-year mm -hmm. contract and said he was part of the future, sure. part of the solution. Uh, what changed? Because had they not gotten into the wild card, mm -hmm. would you have made this move? Uh, a year ago? That's a fair question, and I think that something Paul and Thad and I all discussed this morning was what what has transpired over the last 12 months. We we went into the season with a certain expectation around continued growth and development off of last year. Certainly, we took a step backward, you know, um, as as a team collectively this year, and as we thought about where we are now and moving into next year and the years beyond, uh, we're in. We believe we're in a slightly different spot around continuing to grow these these young players and thinking about what the long-term timeline looks like. Now, I will say, in conversation with Paul last year at that time, we did talk about what the future could look like if he wasn't managing, and it, it, it and it's never the right time to make a difficult decision, and it's never easy. You have to weigh all the factors that we learned about this team this year, where we are, what we need to do moving forward, and we felt like now was the time to have that conversation with Paul. Lavelle. Lavelle Neal, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Derek, um, was there something with the culture in the clubhouse that you feel needed to head in a different direction? And can you talk about some of the qualities in a, in a manager that you're looking for and m m the important qualities? Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll take a crack at it. So, Lavelle, I, I think you know, you're always evaluating uh, leadership qualities, but it's not rest solely on a, on a manager. You, know, you're, you look to the coaching staff, you look to the players in the clubhouse. I think a year ago this time, when we were tracking towards the playoffs, I think people spoke very glowingly about the culture in the clubhouse. So I think it's a, it's a totally evolutionary process. It has a lot to do with the chemistry within that group. I think we've talked openly to this group before about the fact that 
you know, with some of the moves we made this offseason, we had a lot of guys in the clubhouse who all were on expiring deals, and that may have had an impact. So I think we are looking ourselves in the mirror as much as anything as to the impact that the, we've had on the, the, the chemistry of the clubhouse and the environment they're in. It is something we take very seriously. It's something that we believe in. Uh, when you're in a championship culture, you're going to see strength through your, your coaching staff and your clubhouse and the players and the leadership they're in. Mike Mash from WCCO. Does it have to do with just one-on-one him working with young players, or I mean, do you do you see that as a weakness or something because you're going to be young going forward, and and is that part of this assessment? No, I, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I just think that's a that's a challenge. You know, for any for any team, there's always a challenging dynamic with young players, veteran players, you know, guys in between. Uh, we just feel like from the standpoint of this team moving forward, a change in voice and you know potential style with some of those younger players could be of benefit to us. Now, that's not to say there's any one thing or one reason or one interaction Paul has had. I think he's I think he's great with a lot of our young players and conversations with them. This just felt like the right time to make a, a transition with those young players for the long-term future. And I, I think I think Paul has tremendous relationships with our young players in terms of uh, respect across the board, without question. Uh, we've gotten a lot of uh, calls from some of those players today to talk in support of him. Uh, but I think you know today's player is maybe increasingly demanding on on coaches and managers relative to relationships and motivation and, and those sorts of things. So we need to continue to try to put the resources around them that can service them um, in their new, this new generation of player. Dan in the back. Dan Hayes, the athletic. Um, this week, Paul had indicated he was thinking he was coming back next season. What? What level of surprise maybe was there on his end when you guys uh, informed him? You know, I think when we when we sat with uh, with Paul this morning, um, I I don't know that necessarily he you know he had said even when you get this job or when you get any of these jobs, you know, there's always the potential on the back end of of change, and I think that Paul uh, certainly this morning said he had kind of always prepared himself. Maybe even when we first were hired, that that was something that could happen along the way. So I, you, you're never necessarily expecting it or um, certainly disappointment, but a, a true, you know, to Paul's credit and who Paul is, a true understanding of uh, the rationale for why we thought this was the right time. Whether or not he agreed with it, you know, that's, that, that was up to him, but I think he certainly could understand um, why in the moment we felt this was the right time. Derek. Thad, when Derek was hired, he mentioned that he has a short list sort of in his head at all times for these jobs. Do you have a similar short list? And if not, what kind of qualities you're going to look for in the next manager? So, w- with regards to lists, I, I think one thing that we've been consistent with ever since we've gotten these opportunities is that anytime there's a new leadership position, we've been very thoughtful. I mean, point of fact, Derek hasn't brought a single person over from Cleveland, nor have I from the Texas Rangers. In reality, the lion's share of the people who we've brought into this organization were people we didn't have a previous relationship with. I think we're planning on approaching this post in the same regard, where we're hopeful we can be as thorough as we can and get the absolute best candidates to walk through this door, ultimately the best of whom would win this job. Uh, but not, we, you know, Charlie asked the question earlier, uh, this would be a very quick process if we really had a specific person in mind. We do not. Uh, we do have some qualities in mind. I, I think we would prefer to share those as time goes on, because as Derek mentioned, we've been so focused on making sure we manage this part of the process appropriately uh, that we may, maybe haven't uh, quite uh, verbalized those as, as succinctly as we'd like. But the point is we're going to look through all sorts of resources, tap into as many people as we can to put together the best list we possibly can, vet them to the best of our ability, and then ultimately hire the right person. 
Eric in the back. Yeah, Eric Perkins, Carol Levin, Derek Orthat, I guess. Um, with that said, how much does analytics and, and the ability to embrace that moving forward uh, play into this role? I, it, that's always going to be a part of any um, decision we make, and we've talked openly about use of information and data and otherwise as part of what we do across baseball operations. I will say this to follow that up, though. I think you know, Paul in particular was incredibly open-minded to different things that were, were brought along the way, and I want to make it clear that that's not something that was something we were concerned about with Paul along the way. But and we have new information every day. You know, there's new data coming in, whether it's you know, TrackMan or StatCast or everything else that gets talked about every night. We all need to find ways to adapt and use that to the best of our abilities in making this team the best that it can be. So I think a manager, whoever the manager comes in, certainly there are leadership qualities and, and key, um, key abilities in that role. But understanding and how to use information will be a, a, a big part of that too. Go back to Lavelle here. I'm going to dovetail off that last question and ask you the flow of data mm -hmm. uh, from your research and development department, the Jeremy Hefner, to pick through monitor, coach and staff to players. Were you satisfied with that, the flow of information and how it was being presented to your players? I think you have to appreciate how much change we've implemented in the two years we've been here. And, and against the backdrop of trying to win night in and night out, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the people who are ultimately making those decisions. But I can't say enough positive about how much Paul assimilated a lot of that information into ultimately his, his decisions that he made pre-game and during game and kind of in the post-mortem after games. Uh, but we're aware that there's an ability we have to try to put people in better positions to succeed moving forward. Kind of the newness of that implementation of some of those new resources, new information, shouldn't be there anymore. We should be able to address those responsibly moving forward. I think we play a role in setting that up appropriately, but I think when we find the right partner at the helm, uh, that, that will go a long way as well. Joe on the left. I was just going to see among the things you guys are looking for uh, with your clubhouse and the number of Spanish speakers, how, how important or potentially important could a, like a bilingual speaker be? Well, it's certainly a quality that we talk about on our staff, making sure that we um, have, you know, as you've mentioned, a number of players from Latin America uh, and the ability to communicate with them and, and connect with them is important. I think you want to think about that across the board on your staff and how it impacts individual players. Uh, certainly a manager who has some Spanish-speaking ability helps most likely because they can connect directly as well, but I don't think that's a, a singular quality that you know, necessarily needs to be there. We just need to make sure it's a big, it's a part of our, our process across our staff development. Brandon. Brandon Warren, zone coverage. Um, what's the status of the rest of the coaching staff? And if you haven't addressed that yet, uh, when do you plan to? So we've spoken with our coaches, each of them, uh, when after we had that conversation with Paul. Uh, and it, as is typical in this case, uh, certainly we'll work through the process individually with each person. Uh, some are um, under contract, others are not. But uh, if they were to uh, intend to pursue specific opportunities elsewhere, we feel it would only be right to, to allow them to do so. So uh, we'll handle each individual staff member on, it, on its own. Pat? Derek, would you be open to hiring someone who's never managed before? Yeah, I, I think that certainly we look across baseball right now and we see managers of all types. Uh, guys with uh, more recent playing experience, those with uh, a number of years of experience in the dugout. I, I would say that uh, we're going to evaluate each candidate. We don't have one specific defined type of candidate that we need to, we need to find. There are certainly, as Thad mentioned, qualities that we're looking for, but we would be open to um, uh, managers with a number of, uh, manager candidates with a number of different types of backgrounds. Phil. Uh, Derek, uh, what uh, kind of role do you envision for Paul should he accept it? Uh, 
and what impact would it have potentially on the major league team? Sure. And on a personal level, would it be difficult to uh, to work with him every day? I, I would say, um, let me answer the second one first. Uh, my uh, my admiration for Paul's baseball acumen, knowledge is 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 very strong. And so, in my opinion, I think Paul has uh, an opportunity to impact in a lot of different areas if he if he so chooses. We t- we've talked about the role in a more substantive baseball operations role, probably initially at least around um, around some things in player development, some things he loves to do in terms of teaching young kids and players, uh, the, the potential for him impacting us around just big picture decisions. I wouldn't, because of who Paul is, because of the way he's handled this, because of the respect I have for him and uh, the way our relationship has developed over the last couple of years, I, I wouldn't necessarily find that uh, to be uh, a problem. And I think with respect to the major league environment, I think it would only be fair, in the, you know, certainly in the short term anyway, to maybe have some disconnect from that environment in that role. Um, but uh, outside of that, I, I feel like you know, it would be a great opportunity for our organization to continue to have him a part of it. we do a few more. Rhett? Do you see next year as a year you guys can compete with the way that this year went in terms of new manager and everything? Do you feel like you guys can compete next year? I mean, I think every year you're trying to honestly assess your team and you want to take steps forward. Uh, and I think what we saw this year was the team ends up with 78 wins, which I think, you know, when you started the season, it's, it's, a, it's fewer than what we had aspired to have. But quite frankly, it's not dramatically so. I, I think we're looking a little bit more at some of the individual performances on our team. So I think what we're aspirational of controlling is identifying that young core of players that we've talked about for years uh, in this community and applying ourselves this offseason to try to have those guys collectively take a step forward. Uh, and I think if we do that, the wins and losses will probably take care of themselves, and the gap right now that we see between us and the Cleveland Indians will start closing pretty rapidly. A little bit off topic, but uh, will you offer Joe Maurer a contract to make his decision uh, a little bit easier on what he wants to do next year? Uh, offer him uh, in advance of his decision? Uh, well, it might make him uh, make his decision easier. Sure. Well, sure. I, Joe and I have had a number of conversations down the stretch uh, during the course of this season. Um, I, I, you know, what we saw on Sunday was uh, truly magical on so many levels. I think Joe uh, Joe was one of the first people actually I reached out to today and just had a chance to chat with him. And I, I think he's intent on taking some time and thinking about what is right for him. I would anticipate we'll have multiple conversations during the course of this offseason, whether it's in a playing capacity moving forward or the opportunity to come help us out in some in some way shape or form here with the twins two more dan uh, back to next year how how difficult is the years that byron and and uh, miguel had um as far as forecasting next year just what you know trying to figure out what they're capable of next year how how hard is it to assess what you guys can do next year well i think i think when you have all these projection systems as sophisticated as we hope they are the two seasons that those guys just put together were certainly not on the spectrum of things that we expected. So I think, you know, as I said earlier, we're, we're going to be very focused this offseason and doing whatever we can in our power to put the best resources we possibly can around those two guys, as well as some of our other young players. We're aware that if these guys realize their potential in 2019 at the Major League level, it's a much different conversation about our competitive landscape. We're hopeful that we can do everything we can to put them in a the position to impact us in that regard. Final question, Phil. Uh, Derek, uh, you said uh, when you got here that everything would be done by consensus and you would have the final call. Uh, sure. Was this a unanimous or a consensus decision? And uh, how much did your meetings with him since the season ended impact your final decision? Yeah, you know, these are, I certainly value the counsel of, of so many of our, our group of people. And I think for those who have been around and have seen how we operate, you know, there is a lot of 
collaboration and conversation among the group of people. Ultimately, uh, it was something that it, it's not easy. There's no easy, clear-cut decision on any of these. And I think ultimately, collectively, we felt this was the right decision moving forward. And, and then when I brought that recommendation to, to ownership, they were supportive of that recommendation. So I, I'm, it's a, not an easy decision by any means, but certainly something that we felt uh, collectively was the best thing for our franchise. And not made yesterday. And not made yesterday. No, over the course, you know, you, you think about these things not you know, in a one-day you know, period of time, certainly thinking about what was best, but over the course of the last few days, wondering whether or not this was the right time to start that conversation. It felt clear, clearer to me that now was the time to have it. With that, that concludes today's press conference. Thank you all for joining us. We'll excuse you. All right, let's potter down. So that was, if, if you didn't hear it this afternoon, around noon or so, I believe, Manny Hill, Paul Molitor, dismissed as uh, manager of the Twins. Yeah. He has been offered another job. Now, keep in mind, he signed for two more years, and so I think they basically said, Come uh, if you want and work in our baseball operations department. What you just heard was the 3 o'clock press conference. Derek Falvey, the twin CBO, and Thad Levine, the GM of the team, talking about the decision to dismiss Paul, which comes as zero surprise. It might not be fair. It might not be fair. Or you might say to yourself, this is great, I didn't like Paul. But the one thing is you can't be surprised because it was a week ago Wednesday, I believe. Paul was asked in his pregame uh, presser at Target Field after the team had just got home, do you want to come back in 2019? And he said, I absolutely do. I'm looking forward to it, blah, blah, blah. Gave the, gave the pat answer to the question. Lavelle Neal or Phil Miller, I forget which one. I think it was Lavelle, the Star Tribune, had an exclusive with Jim Polad that day. And Jim Polad was the guy two years ago who, in the midst of a 103-loss debacle 2016, fired Terry Ryan, who at one time we thought had a lifetime contract with this team. That's and, when we were donned with the uh, term total system failure. Total correct? system failure. Yeah. And if you remember, when he fired Terry, he said, the only thing that I'm going to tell my the new guys that I hired to run my baseball operations department is that Paul can't be fired. And we all said, huh? You just right. lost 103 games. Anyway, a week ago Wednesday or so, Jim Polad told Lavelle, I believe, gave him a long quote to the question, is Paul coming back, but never said yes. And you said to yourself, he's in trouble. And then um, I went to the game on Friday and then the Maurer game on Sunday, and all of the steam was, he's basically gone. So this is zero, zero surprise, and no matter what these guys say or don't say, if Paul hadn't made the playoffs last year, and had such a surprising year, or the team did, he would have been fired then. These guys desperately wanted their own guy. Paul did everything. Paul bent over backwards. He used an opener. I'm willing to bet that in Paul's life, he had never ter- heard that term once <laughs> until this, until Tampa Bay started to do it this year, yeah. Manny. And Paul did everything he possibly could. But these guys, from the day that they arrived, and you can fault them or not, Wanted their guy, and now they're going to go get their guy. And and that is normal for any front office, new front office person, that they come in and they want to bring in their own people. And, you know, and look, they they gave, you know, they worked with Paul for two seasons, and, you know, they saw some success last year, but this year was a bit of a disappointment. And rather you agree with it or not, I mean, that's that's fair. I think it's very fair to disagree with this decision if you feel that way, but... This is, there's nothing here that was abnormal, I don't think, the only, in, terms of, in terms of 
new front office people right. wanting wanting to have their own guy eventually. The only thing that was very odd about this whole thing to uh, jump back to 2016 was the fact that the guy who owned the team told the baseball Correct. operations guy, you've got to keep one guy, and it's an incredibly important guy. Correct. That was odd. Ordinarily, you lose 103 games, everybody yeah. goes, right? Mm-hmm. So that that was odd. Paul did, as far as I'm concerned, nothing wrong here. Paul tried very hard. Paul adjusted. Paul adapted. It's not Paul's fault that Lance Lynn fell through. Lomo was no good. Is it Paul's fault that Buxton got hurt and couldn't hit? Is it Paul's fault that Miguel showed up to spring training incredibly fat and had to be demoted and hit 199? But I think this all comes back to Derek and Thad said, this is our chance now. And Jim said, I won't stop you. It's that simple. Yeah. Uh, shall we take a break? Yeah, let's do that. Oh. Take a break, come back for a few, and then uh, we'll get to Jason Stark after that. Sounds good. Yep, and exactly. Stark will join uh, towards the bottom of the hour. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios from 3 to 4 o'clock. The show is Zolgad and Manny Hill. Phil will join at 4 o'clock. Plenty more guests to come as well as we talk about the dismissal. Paul Molitor after four years out as Twins manager. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic. It's uh, brought to you by Vasper Stain. Uh, 94 eastbound. Uh, we have a crash uh, near uh, 101 uh, Main Street and Brockton Lane near Rogers. Look out for a serious crash. That is uh, closed down to one lane, 94 eastbound, adding about uh, 26 minutes to your commute. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, cooler weather is deck staining weather. So hurry to Lowe's and save on new Vasper One Coat exterior stain. Just buy one and get one. Uh, the second half price uh, September 26th through October 3rd, only at Lowe's. A lot of factors go into these decisions every time, and uh, Paul knows that, and Paul knows that we've talked all along about his openness and willingness to engage with us on a number of different topics. When we made this decision, I can tell you this wasn't just about wins and losses. You know, right now at this moment, it was about where our club is for the for the present and the future. Um, and I, I've said that to Paul this morning. I'll, I'll say it again. This wasn't about our record this year. This is about what we think is best as we continue to grow a young team in the direction toward being uh, a championship contender. That was uh, Twins CBO Derek Falvey earlier this hour talking about the decision to uh, fire Paul Molitor as the Twins manager after four years. He concludes his uh, tenure in the uh, Twins dugout with a 305-343 record. That includes the 2015 in which the team had lost um, and which the team had been bad from 2011 to 2014 and 15. They were above 500 and actually going into the second to last day of the season were in wild card playoff contention. So that was good. They come back in 2016 and drop 103 games. It's a complete disaster. Terry Ryan gets fired. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, you're going to hire new guys in 2017 is going to be rough. Well, they come back in 2017 and make the one game wild card playoff and lose that game at Yankee Stadium. And so then in 2018, you come back and say, hey, this could be great. Buxton and Sano are going to develop. And it was a, it was not a disaster. It was a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And though so he's gone. And yeah, I do believe, though, 
I do believe that the record only gave these guys the opportunity to make the move they wanted. Yeah, I think it's fair. I don't think this year I think was that's fair. I think Paul actually. I think history. If you look back, I think, I think this year history will be kind to Paul. Paul was not terrible. I mean, 2016 was off the rails, Manny. Mm-hmm. But this year, I don't think Paul was consistently where you said, "My God, he's losing them games." They just were disappointing. Yeah, they and, just they just weren't very good. And he might have played a role, but there were a lot of people, including the two guys who run the team, who yeah, played a role. Because they brought in Lance Lynn, who was a very huge disappointment. They yep. brought in Logan Morrison, who was a very huge disappointment. Yep. And and then we still have, you know, for lack of a better term, the two elephants in the room, Buxton and Sano. And is that on been, Paul? That's yeah. my question. Is that on Paul? That's a good question. That's, I, think, I think it's a fair question. I, I'm not sure if it is or not, but I think it's a very fair question to ask. I think these two guys are desperate to try and get somebody who can reach them. Yeah. Now, the problem is this. Who is that going to be, though? The alienation of Buxton's on them. Byron's not mad at Paul. Yeah, It's these the two he can't stand. They're the ones who sent him home. It's these two, September. right? Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. that's that's on him yeah. or on them, not Paul. But, uh, yeah, this was, you knew, Manny Hill, you knew that these two guys weren't enamored with with Paul and and that Paul was foisted upon them. When you are slumping but still very much in playoff contention at the non-waiver trade deadline, July of 17, and you trade, and you acquire a pitcher and then immediately flip him and trade your closer. When they traded Kinsler to Washington, mm-hmm. when they made those moves and said, well, we think we're going to fall out, and they might have been right, but if you really like Paul, like if Paul's your guy, if, if I guarantee you they would not have done that to a guy that they hired what's in 2017. What's interesting, though, Judd, is, okay, after last year they make the playoffs, and Paul's contract was up, and there was all this speculation on were they going to bring him back or what's going to happen there. They gave him a three-year contract well, to come I, back, and I and so what. I, my point is, yep. when that happened, I thought, oh, because I because that whole season I was thinking, ah, do they really like Paul? Is this going to be? They're having a nice season. They made the playoffs. You know, is it? You can't really, you know, can they fire him if, after they made the playoffs when they weren't really expected to? And yada, the answer yada. Is absolutely no. Yeah, and then and then when they gave him a three year contract because I thought okay they'll give him they'll give him a two year contract because he's not really their guy yep. but they can't they can't just blow him off because they just made the playoffs and he won manager of the year and all this other stuff right but when they gave him a three year contract I thought oh they must really like Paul I asked the same question and it turns out that it turns out it's not no it turns out that they they basically put a two year contract in front of Paul and Paul said gentlemen. I just took your team to the playoffs. Uh, I'm a hero in this bleeping town, and if you didn't happen to look, I was just named AL Skipper of the Year. Give me a third year. Mm. And I think Jim Pollard probably stepped in and said, just do it. Yeah. I hmm. I brought this up months ago, though, and I was called crazy. As this season started to go off the track, this is, this is the thing. Executives, no matter if they are in their 70s, 60s, 30s, or 20s, no matter what different metrics they might use to to get a read on their sport that they're in charge of, Manny Hill, they're predictable. <laughs> they are. Pre- and I brought this up as things started to go off the tracks. I said this might be the opportunity because the Polets see the 
it's folly that the poll ads won't pay people to go away. They don't like to do that. But keep in mind, when they told these guys, when they told Derek and Thad, you're keeping Paul, I think Derek and Thad put that in their back pocket and said, okay, that's fine for now, but this might all come around again. Poll ads can pay people to go away. And in this case, I think, as it started to unfold in June or so, I thought to myself, I wonder if he's in trouble. And then I thought, nah, I can't be. But then by, I'm telling you, the last week I said, he's not coming back. Mm. He's not coming back. Let's take a break. Uh, Come back. Jason Stark, we get his reaction to the news today. Paul Molitor fired as Twins manager after uh, four seasons. Mackie will join the show at 4 o'clock. TCL Broadcast Studios. It is Mackie and Judd. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? (laughs) It's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, now, with MLB Network contributor and senior baseball writer with The Athletic, Jason Stark. Brought to you by Grundhoffer's Old Fashioned Meats. Bring the excitement of Grundhoffer's to your next cookout. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie will join the show at 4 o'clock. Judd and Manny until then. Jason Stark joins us now. Your thoughts, sir, on the news of the day. The Twins have made a managerial change after four seasons. Molitor is out, and we don't know who is going to be in. (laughs) Yeah, nobody knows who's going to be in yet. Well, uh, first off, I would say I'm disappointed, like a lot of people are. Had uh, Like everybody who's ever known Paul Molitor, talked with Paul Molitor, dealt with Paul Molitor on any kind of professional level. I mean, what a pro. What a great man. Uh, what a smart man. And I, so I'm, I'm, it, I'm saddened that there's no place for a guy like that in the manager's office of a team he cared about so much. Um, you know, considering the stature of the man in the community, in the, uh, you know, within the, the baseball world, uh, in the Hall of Fame pantheon, mm-hmm. he ha- he's always had so little ego. And I think that separates him from a lot of people who fit his description, who are being told you're not quite what we're looking for as a manager, right? Because right. the way the game's trending now, the age of the rock star manager is going away. <laughs> it's not what front offices want. But Paul Molitor could do anything your front office needed him to do because he's that kind of guy. So, J- Jason, that's a great point. And Paul tried very hard. I mean, Derek and Thad brought him lots of things, and Paul did not say, go away. He he, he sat there and learned or adjusted so what do you think, where is this game as far as that job going? I mean, do you think that there is going to remain a place for a guy like Paul, which we all certainly hope, or is there going to come a day five years down the road where it's just completely different? What do you think? You're talking about the manager's job. The manager's general, job. Not this one. Yes, exactly right. The job itself. Yeah, you know, I wrote about this a few weeks ago as part of my Labor Day column, and the, the whole point, was the age of the rock star manager is going away. And one of the executives that I talked to described it this way, and I think this kind of sums it up. He said, it's very difficult to walk into the office of somebody like Mike Sosha or Buck Showalter before a game and say, hey, this is how we would like to see the game managed tonight. Um, It's 
you can do that if Andy Green is your manager, right? Or Brian Snitker is your <laughs> manager. Yep. And that's the trend. There used to be a, a wall. I think that's how somebody described it to me, a wall between the manager's office and the front office. And the manager in the, in the day of Tory and La Russa and Cox, and you know we could spew out the names, those were men who had incredible stature and presence and did the job their way. That's not the world now. The job is completely collaborative. But as you just said, Paul Mahler did that. He implemented everything they wanted him to do. The twins shifted really effectively. They used the opener. They played that four-man outfield. He made so much effort to be comfortable with all of it. And that wasn't just he'd do it because they wanted him to do it. If you, try, if you talk to him about it, he completely understood it. That's the part of this I don't get. So, Jason, going forward now with the Twins, I mean, it, it's what are what should reasonable expectations be now for the new manager? Because obviously they're in a situation where they they just had sort of a disappointing year, and you still have this situation with Bucks, Buxton and Sano, the two guys that they are really hitching their franchise wagons to to be cornerstones of this franchise, and they've they've really struggled. Where do the Twins go from here, and, and what, what are reasonable expectations for next year and the new manager? Yeah, well, let's see where they go and who they hire. Uh, you know, one of the names that was popping up there this afternoon was Brad Mills, right, who is Terry Francona's longtime bench coach uh, at a couple of different stops, three different stops, uh, was his college roommate. Obviously, you know, worked with Derek Falvey in Cleveland. Uh, Derek and, and Terry Francona very close something to think about anyway. I mean, that style of guy is, he's your ultimate team player. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he balances the, the new age stuff with the old school part of it, the ability to relate to people. And, you know, and all these guys who have coached under Terry Francona, they absorbed a lot. They know he's one of the best in the business. And, you know, that style to me, is the style that you have to have. You have to understand how to lead human beings and relate to human beings. But you also have to be completely comfortable with everything that's being thrown at you from above, Uh, not to mention all the noise that always surrounds the job. And so that's what I think this front office is going to be conscious of, but I I can't tell you exactly who they're going to hire. Mills is 61. Is that a problem in your mind, do you think? Or is this more about just a, a philosophical outlook that can translate uh, if, if you've been around it? Yeah, I, I think ideally they would hire somebody younger than that. Um, but they want the right fit. And, you know, if, if they thought Brad Mills was the right fit, I don't think his age would stop him. Now, we, you know, we've seen quite a few teams do this in in this sort of climate where they look at their franchise and they think it's time for us to take that next step you know we've been in pretty much the same place for a long time and we need to take another step so we need another voice we need another style um 
I can't tell you exactly what they're thinking or who they're thinking of. It really sounded from the press conference like they weren't 100% sure themselves. Mm -hmm. If they are, they didn't tip their hand. But, you know, if you look at the kinds of managers who've been hired in these sorts of situations, it's very frequently uh, someone young, someone not that far removed from playing, and someone who is willing to, to frankly, to work cheap. Yeah. If, if Jason, too, if you could build the ideal candidate for these jobs in 2018, what do you think are the key ingredients right now? <laughs> uh, well, you need to be a math major. Yeah, you're, no, you're you're dead serious. Yeah. I get it. Well, yeah. I mean, not really, but no, but you you, you do have to know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're going to be flooded with a massive amount of information mm-hmm. from above, and you've got to understand, you know, how to communicate it, how to disseminate it, how to absorb it yourself, so that you can use it during a game, but not to overdo it. Uh, the, the, with a lot of these first-time managers and sometimes not so first-time managers, the games are actually being scripted from upstairs. You know, we see this starting pitcher going about this many hitters, and then we see this reliever as matching up with this part of their order, and we see this hitter as a, as a good guy to run out there if they bring in this pitcher, right? There, there's just so much that is scripted now, but you, you've got to have the ability to think on your own. So when the game veers off script, you, you know, you're still in control and the game's not going too fast. But at the same time, you know, players are younger than ever. The game is, ske- is skewing as young as I, I can ever remember. And so you've got to be conscious of not just the 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 youth of your team, but the fact that they're start, they're starting to just figure out life, not just baseball, and they need rope from that standpoint. It's a really hard job. All right, Jason, I have a uh, October postseason question for you. Um, now I'm picking the Brewers to win the National League pennant, but I want to ask you about the Braves because it kind of seems like. They're flying under the radar a little bit. Like everybody's talking about the Brewers and what a great story it is. And obviously the Cubs are the Cubs and the Dodgers. But the Braves are kind of flying under the radar. Can they can they win the National League? Do they have enough to, to go on a deep run? I mean, I really don't think so, Manny. Uh I don't I don't think this first round's gonna go real well for them. Uh Dodgers are better, deeper, more experienced. Yeah. And that, that's going to be a problem. Now, the Braves are incredibly talented. They can score. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be a pitcher trying to navigate through Freddie Freeman and Ozzie Albies and Ronald Acuna and Marcakis, the way he has swung it this year. They, they've got some firepower. They really do. And Mike Foldenavich can shut you down and dominate you any night. Any night. Uh, but... Once you get beyond that that group, they're they're not completely settled in the bullpen. Kevin Gossman has helped them a lot and gives them another arm to throw out there, but they're a, they're a year ahead of schedule. They just benefited from the fact it was one of those years in the NL East, mm-hmm. and if you stack them up to the other teams in the field, 
I just don't think they're quite as good. I actually agree with you. I think the Brewers yeah. are coming out of the National League. All right, sir. Trivia time. Let's do it. I, this yes. is a Paul Molitor-inspired trivia question, because why not, right? Very fitting today, yes. Yeah, Paul Molitor, once upon a time, nine straight years of double-figure homers and double-figure stolen bases. I was a twin, but, you know, in his, in his prime. Sure. And I, I want you to try to guess which twin in history has the longest streak of double-figure homers, double-figure steals, just you know, it was six consecutive seasons. <clears throat> My first guess. Uh, well, we can. I know a lot of guys we could cross off that list with uh, double figure steals for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Would, would Tony Oliva have been one? Did you say it was six, Jason? Six straight six years? Six years in a row. Yep. Was it Tony? Tony O? It's Tony's knees that went is, out. That is a great guess, Manny. Tony is the answer. Beautiful. Really? Before okay. the knees went out. Nice job. Around the whole year, he might have made it six in a row himself. He was at five when he got traded. That's my guy. I'm taking yep. taking credit. Yeah. <laughs> Manny's my guy, Jason. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks. a lot. Right, Take thanks, care. Jason. All right, bye-bye. Jason Stark, check out his work, The he's Athletic, the uh, theathletic.com, which also will have plenty of Twins coverage as well. Yeah, he's outstanding. Let's uh, let's take our final break of this hour, sir. Uh, bring Phil in, and also uh, Derek Wetmore, 1500ESPN.com, covers the Twins for us. He was at the press conference today. He will join as well as we continue to talk about the dismissal of Paul Molitor as Twins manager this afternoon. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. We still have uh, that crash uh, near Rogers at uh, 101 and uh, Brockton Lane. That is uh, reducing things down to one lane and uh, adding about 26 extra minutes to your commute if you're headed uh, towards the uh, metro area. So be on the lookout for that if you're heading in. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Thank you, sir. So two longtime baseball scribes, Royce on yesterday's show um, when we were speculating about Paul being fired and then Stark just now with Paul being fired brought up the name of 61-year-old Brad Mills who is Francona's bench coach in Cleveland. So certainly a guy that Derek Falvey is familiar with. Brad Mills was the uh, manager of the Houston Astros from 2010 to 2012, 171 and 274 during that time. That was when they kind of blew things up. That's when they were, yes. That's when they were going through that dreadful period where they actually then got good again. But he was was the guy. Because it was him and then Bo Porter, I think they hired. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's and right. Then, and then they fired Bo and then went and got A.J. Hinch. I think that's absolutely correct. So Brad Mills is the name that uh, at least two veteran baseball people have thrown out and Patrick Royce and then Jason Stark. So let me get this straight, Manny Hill. I tweeted this out today. The guy who went along with what his bosses wanted, despite the fact he didn't necessarily agree with those things, got fired today by the Twins. I know where you're going with this. Meanwhile, across the street, the belligerent executive and head coach of the basketball team who's no, who is defying his boss and Glenn Taylor by holding Jimmy Butler hostage yeah. is still employed. Oh, goodness. Can you help me out with that one? I, I think it's very simple. 
one organization is the Twins, the other organization is the Timberwolves. But I mean, are the Twins that incredibly well? I mean, you you would think the Wolves. Well, so you've got so Tibbs is telling Glenn, Glenn, go shit. <laughs> I'm not trading the guy, or I'm gonna wait. And Glenn's like, no, people should call me. And at some point in time, you'd think if you were Glenn, you'd say, you know what? I'm tired of this act. You're gone. I mean, I'll pay you to go away. Typically, if the owner and the head coach slash president of basketball rape operations or the owner and the general manager, whatever, you know, what, what have you, if usually if they're not on the same page, usually a change is made. <laughs> yes. That's what we've typically seen in the world of sports for usually eh, for many decades. It's usually how it works. Yes. Many decades I, I'm with that. you yeah. on this. I tell, I own team. I tell employee to do something. Employee looks at me and says, go believe yourself. I fire employee. Right? Yeah. It's usually I don't usually have to then circumvent employee until if, teams call hey, call me instead. If the owner and the front office guy slash coach are not on the same page, it usually goes one of two ways. They either find a way to get on the same page or they part ways. <laughs> yes. So somebody yeah. somebody pays somebody to go away and then that's it, and then they bring in a new executive or coach who does what they want. But in this case, the Timberwolves being the Wolves. Ain't gonna happen, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not betting my bottom dollar on that. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie joins next. Wetmore also at some point in the four o'clock. He was at the Molitor press conference today, announcing uh, Paul's firing by the Twins. Plenty more to go here, Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. So long, losers. On fifteen hundred ESPN.